is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877 877-381-3811. Did you know that Ron DeSantis supports slavery? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, Ron DeSantis wants the school children in Florida to learn that slavery was a good thing. You learned all kinds of cool skills from slavery. Now, let's stop right there a minute. For all of you who are rational, does that make any sense to you? Does that sound like Ron DeSantis to you? See, Democrats can never actually run against their opponents. They have to lie about them and try and destroy them. Ron DeSantis doesn't believe slavery was a good thing. They had a committee of scholars who put together a very thorough course on slavery, among other things, and uh, led by African Americans, including two African Americans in particular. They didn't say that slavery was a good thing. What they said was, and essentially, as horrific as it was and as horrific as it is, people learned some skills that they were able to use later in life. That is what they're saying now is a pro-slavery statement by DeSantis and his government. There's over 190 bullets in this curriculum. I went through a number of them. It is the most thorough discussion of slavery I've ever seen. It doesn't make the United States look good. It's not pro-slavery. It doesn't it doesn't play down slavery. Quite the contrary. It's in your face. It's very blunt. Here is Scott 
Jennings, CNN senior political commentator on CNN yesterday. Cut 15, go. Well, it's amazing to me that how little Kamala Harris apparently has to do, that she can read something on Twitter one day and be on an airplane the next to make uh, something literally out of nothing. This is a completely made-up deal. I looked at the standards. I even looked at an analysis of the standards in every instance where the word slavery or slave was used. I even read the statement of the African-American scholars that wrote the standards, not Ron DeSantis, but the scholars. Everybody involved in this says this is completely a fabricated issue. And yet, look how quickly Kamala Harris jumped on it. So the fact that this is her best moment, a fabricated matter, is pretty ridiculous in my opinion. Because the Democrat Party cannot survive without racism. Anti-black racism through most of his history, anti-white racism today, and then they project onto Republicans what they and their party did to the country. And I write about this extensively in my new book. So Eugene Robinson, who did not look at the standards, he's talking about normalizing a unique horror of slavery in Florida's curriculum. And a Navarro, who is a psychopath in two languages, She's on the view. She clearly didn't look at all the standards. She didn't look at anything. And she's trashing, screaming at the Santas for whitewashing slavery. He did no such thing. And there are others. Of course, Kamala Harris trying to exploit it. Because Kamala Harris doesn't have anything. Certainly nothing substantive. And they turn to Kamala Harris... Or maybe she turned to herself to try and exploit this. Which is outrageous. So Florida has not done what they say Florida did. Ron DeSantis didn't write the standards. He appointed the people. There's nothing wrong with the standards if you go through and look at all of them. Including this one. One of 192. And so this is a completely phony issue that they're trying to use to upset black Americans in this country to create a permanent smear on DeSantis. So this is what everybody thinks about when they hear his name. And this is what the Democrat Party does. Every fascistic and Marxist regime to ever exist on the face of the earth did what the Democrat Party has done. And so they've learned from them. Controlling the language, controlling the thought process. That's what this is about. Here she is, as an example. Cut 14. Go. Extremists pass book bans to prevent them from learning our true history. Book bans in this year of our Lord 2023. And while they do this, Check it out. They push forward revisionist history. Just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. She's a nut. She's a race baiter. And I think enough of this country now has embraced race baiting that it's a problem. Everything she said is a lie. Was she fact-checked? 
by the New York Times or the Washington Post, did they fact check her? Did they go in and look at all the standards? Including this one? And so, they insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it? This is how she hopes to get votes? First of all, Harris, it's your party that enslaved black people. It's my party that led a civil war to free them. And it's my Republican presidents, Lincoln, Grant, among others, who did exactly that. And it's your party for a hundred years after the end of the Civil War, whether it's Plessy versus Ferguson, segregation, separate but equal is equal, it's your party. That prevented black people from voting in the South with a variety of of obstacles created. Your party did that. My party opposed it. 1957, it was our president, Dwight Eisenhower, a Republican, who passed the 1957 Civil Rights Act. And it was your guy, Lyndon Johnson, who watered it down. In 1960, another Civil Rights Act passed, pushed by Eisenhower as well. Your guys watered down that one too. Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson wanted to take credit for being a civil rights leader while he was leading the Southerners in the Senate to water down these bills. 1964, the Civil Rights Act. Over 80% of the Republicans in the House and the Senate voted for it. 69% of the Democrats in the Senate voted for it. And he's percentage smaller than the Republicans voted for it in the House. Same with the 1965 Civil Rights Act. It's your party that took the Grand Kegel of West Virginia, Bob Byrd, and made him the leader of your party in the Senate. Minority leader and majority leader. It's your president, Joe Biden, the man under whom you serve. The man to whom you are vice president of the United States. Who opposed integrating our public school system with blacks and whites. Calling it a jungle for his children. I don't even have to go back a hundred years. Your man did that. And you told us that so eloquently during the debates, but... You're such a hack. You're such a power-hungry nothing that when they offered you vice president, you could barely control yourself. That's the truth. They don't teach that in school, Anna Navarro, you moron. They don't teach that in school, do they, Gene Robinson, you clown? They don't teach any of that in our schools, do they? It was a Democrat who was president of the Confederacy. Surrounded by Democrat generals. Was a Democrat general during the Confederacy who after the Civil War formed the Ku Klux Klan. My Republican president, Ulysses S. Grant, sent the United States Army into the South to destroy the Klan and almost did. Your party, the Democrats, in the midterm elections took the House and cut off funding. For the army to go down south and finish the job. Anybody know that? Now you know it. How do you like me teaching history, Anna? 
and Kamala. I'm not done. I'm not done. It's the Democrat Party that supported lynchings, including, including in their platforms. It's Franklin Roosevelt who had a bill put on his desk, a bipartisan bill, a federal law to outlaw lynching. He refused to sign it. That's your party. How about that history? And it was Joe Lewis who backed Wendell Wilkie for president, a Republican, against Franklin Roosevelt. And when he was asked why, he said, because Roosevelt won't stop lynching in this country, he refused to sign that bill. It was your party in 1936 that invited all the white members of the Olympic class to the White House, except one. A black man, you may have heard of him, Jesse Owens. Owens was asked about this in his biography, and he said, Hitler didn't snub me, I didn't even see Hitler. Roosevelt snubbed me. He never talked to me. And he invited everyone to the White House, but he didn't invite me. This is the Democrat Party, that and a hundred more facts that you'll find in the Democrat Party Hates America. Want to go further, Mr. Producer? Is this helping? Eugenics was something the so-called progressives were pushing and pushing hard. Why? Because these Marxists believe in the perfection of society through experts. But society could never be as perfect as the progressives wanted as long as there were people they believed who were inferior in positions that they didn't think they should be in. You want a more perfect society? You got to clean up the population. Woodrow Wilson was not alone in this regard, but he was the president. And he and his fellow Democrats, Margaret Sanger of Planned Parenthood, supported eugenics to use against, quote, idiots, other people, and blacks. Want to hear more? When he was president of Princeton University, he bragged that not a single black was admitted to Princeton. When he was president of Princeton. You want to hear more? Republicans before Woodrow Wilson, Theodore Roosevelt, Howard Taft desegregated the federal government, desegregated the military. You know who resegregated them? A Democrat, Woodrow Wilson. Anybody been taught this? Woodrow Wilson blocked blacks from getting senior positions in the federal government. In fact, he forced most of them out. And any black person who wanted a position in the civil service, for the first time ever, photographs were required to be presented along with resumes. Gee, I wonder why? 
Oh, I got a million of them. But not right now. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If we've learned anything over the past two years, it's that unexpected things can happen. For example, average IRA and 401k balances fell 20% last year, according to Fidelity. We didn't expect that. But here's something that could help if you have an IRA or 401k. Physical gold in your IRA. The World Gold Council says even central banks are buying tons of gold. Now, what does that tell you? Learn why many Americans are turning to a gold IRA with Augusta Precious Metals. They're the best. I recommend them to my friends and family. You should call Augusta and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Feels good to know there's another savings option. Diversity is the key. Call Augusta Precious Metals at 8774-GOLD-IRA. That's 8774-GOLD-IRA. 8774-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. I guess the only way to get into this debate on August 23rd, Mr. Producer, is to have run for president, but boy, would I have loved to be on that stage. And I wouldn't focus my gun at most of the fellow Republicans. I'd focus it on Biden. And Harris. There's a long litany of things I could have added, but they're in the book. It's a tiny section of it, but this book is unbelievable. I'm telling you. You'll see. But the Democrat Party has blocked Asians from attending Harvard College. In the most recent act of racism. And after the court ruled that we live in a colorblind society, or we're supposed to, the Democrat Party, their surrogates, and the media, their surrogates that run these universities and colleges were very upset. Why? Because they're racist, that's why. If I'm DeSantis, I'm on that stage, this thing comes up because of a torpedo fired by the... Uh, by the bloated one, Christy, you know what I say? I don't need any lectures from Biden and Harris about race, considering what he said about junkets. If we've learned anything over the past two years, it's that unexpected things can happen. For example, average IRA and 401k balances fell 20% last year, according to Fidelity. We didn't expect that. But here's something that could help if you have an IRA or 401k. Physical gold in your IRA. The World Gold Council says even central banks are buying tons of gold. Now what does that tell you? Learn why many Americans are turning to a gold IRA with Augusta Precious Metals. They're the best. I recommend them to my friends and family. You should call Augusta and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Feels good to know there's another savings option. Diversity is the key. Call Augusta Precious Metals at 8774-GOLD-IRA. That's 8774-GOLD-IRA. 8774-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. 
All I can do is this enormous amount of research and try and lay it out in a compelling and interesting way and put it between two covers and give it a name and offer it to you. It's called a book. I can't do anything more than that. And I'm just concerned. I'm just concerned that people don't really know what we're dealing with the Democrat Party. People think we know, but we don't. But you will. Those of you who have pre-ordered, I want to thank you. Because obviously, you're still engaged, even though it's summertime, even though there's a thousand other things going on. But when you look at what's going on in this country, losing it is an understatement. Losing it is an understatement. Or more than losing it, in many ways we've lost it. We now have a bureaucracy that tells us how to cook our food. We now have a bureaucracy that tells us where we're going to live, what kind of homes we're going to have. Single-family homes are going to be banned. The combustion engine is going to be banned. We now have a bureaucracy telling us what kind of automobile we can have. One day they're going to tell us we can't have an automobile. You see the slippery slope. We are going down that slope at hypersonic speed. And one day it'll be too <coughs> excuse me. One day it'll be just too late. It'll be too late because the Democrats are going to control all the instrumentalities of government, all the instrumentalities of the culture, which they do now. They're going to control social media. They're going to control speech, which they're working on diligently right now. There won't be a court in the land that will be independent anymore. So you can sue all you want. It won't matter. And in the first chapter of this book, I compare the United States to what takes place in communist China and fascistic Russia. This book isn't written for the left, and you are going to see some similarities that are going to scare the hell out of you. That are going to scare the hell out of you. You know, they have elections too, over there. But they know who's going to win in advance. So they pretend. They pretend they're having elections. But they don't have elections. We're about an eyelash away from that with what's taking place, what took place in the last election. This is why you're not allowed to talk about it. This is why they're trying to destroy the careers of lawyers who litigated against it. Every allegation wasn't accurate. Some of them were quite cockamamie, but some of them were significant, particularly on the law and the Constitution. So the electoral process is a mess. It's going to get worse. And really, for the Democrats, this is just the icing on the cake. Why? All these changes that are being imposed on you right now, all these costs, 
Now all of a sudden your washing machine's not good enough. Your dishwasher is not good enough. Your air conditioning unit, your uh, your your uh, water heater is not good enough. The combustion engine is not good. Where are these coming from? Bureaucrats. You didn't vote for this. Your representatives didn't do this. But they've changed our constitutional system to an unconstitutional system. With the help of the courts. But it all started pretty much under FDR, but it's really hit hyperspeed right now. When you read this book, you're going to find out who exactly Biden met with. Who's advising him on a regular basis? You'll be shocked. What's motivating this guy? But I've turned to my wife, who's standing here, and I say to her, I don't think that even my audience is going is to jump into this. Summertime, many people are dispirited. They see what's being done to Donald Trump. They see what happened to people on January 6th. I'm talking about peaceful protesters. Many of you are frightened. So this whole project might be for naught. Maybe I'll get out of the writing business. Maybe I'll get out of the whole damn business. Unfortunately, I am soaked in this stuff every day and all night. Every day and all night. Maybe I'll start writing novels. I don't think I can, but I'll give it a shot. Maybe I'll just get lost in things like everybody else. But I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I fought hard to get enough copies of this book so each and every one of you can get one. <clears throat> I fought hard to make sure retailers would carry would carry it to make it convenient for you. I promoted it early because I know how the Amazon algorithm works. The more pre-orders you get, the better the discount. So that's going on. I've decided to do three book signings, and I should tell you, I don't... I love doing the book signings, but it, it can be a dangerous situation, if you understand what I mean. It's not, it's not as easy as it used to be. Let me put it to you that way. I'm going to do some TV interviews... I'm not going to do as many as I normally do. I'm just not. You think, my wife who's standing, and then the cynical people out there, well, that's your wife. No, she's very tough on me, on my books. The only one who's tougher is me. So when I'm done, I ask her every time, I asked her about American Marxism. I said, I don't know. This might be too complicated. She said, no, this is important. And on this one, I get advice from her and so forth. She insists it's the best book I've ever written. Ever. But I don't think the early sales are indicating that much excitement over it. Look, I tell you folks everything. 
On the nonfiction side, our early sales are beating everybody else. Blowing them away. But they're not at a standard that I think is necessary to engage this enemy, the Democrat Party. I've talked about this before, and I'm not the first to say it. Philosophers have been saying it for 5,000 years. Ideas have consequences. So-called climate change is a degrowth movement. It's a communist movement. It's an idea at first. Half a century ago. And here it is. Ruling and ruining our lives. Marxism was an idea. An idea. 100 million people lost their lives with billions enslaved. It starts out as an idea. The American experiment is an idea. The constitutional system, checks and balances, separation of powers to ensure what's happening to our country today wouldn't happen to our country today. It starts out as an idea. I said to a friend of mine today, he's an Uber driver, but he's a friend. And I said to him, what does the Democrat Party build? I don't mean redistributing wealth, infrastructure. So what does it build that's lasting, that's humane, that promotes unalienable rights. What is it built? Builds nothing. What would this country be like today if there was never a Democrat party? We wouldn't have had a civil war. We wouldn't have segregation for a hundred years. We wouldn't have had eugenics. And I can go down the list. It'd be a much different country, much better country. So shouldn't they be held accountable? Shouldn't they be responsible for it? I listen to this Kamala Harris. Not only is she lying about DeSantis, but how dare her get up there and not at least say, my party was responsible for slavery in the United States of America for at least its persistence. Why doesn't she at least admit that? Or so many of the other horrors that have taken place in this country as a result of the Democrat Party. We cannot allow this to continue anymore. An anti-black racism, now an anti-white racism. Anti-Semitism in the 30s and 40s, anti-Semitism today. Now it pushes an economic Marxist movement. It's behind it. Not us. Not the average citizen goes to work every day and breaks their ass ideas of consequences their ideas are impoverishing us in the past they've killed us they're destroying our society their ideas have created more murder in the streets more drug cartel activity more sex trafficking on the border that's their ideas 
Those aren't our ideas. Wherever they rule, it's worse. Nobody wants to be in the big cities anymore, unless they have to be. Or unless they take chances. Nobody's going to walk down a main street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in Detroit, Michigan, in Los Angeles, California, in Chicago, Illinois, at midnight or one in the morning. Unless they're out of their minds. Whether you're black, white, or in between, unless you're out of your mind. You're not even going to drive a car down these streets because you don't want to be hijacked. What's that all about? The Democrat Party puts power above people. Puts power above country. Puts their party above everything else. That's what communist slash Marxist parties do. They are the country. It's their way or the highway. And so you have a couple of knucklehead professors here, which I'll get to, who say that Biden should ignore the court when it doesn't agree with it. That is tyranny. They're preaching it. Their tenure should be yanked. Instead, they're celebrated as deep thinkers. There's nothing deep about them. In my view, they're evil. But they believe that. Look at these hearings. FBI whistleblowers. IRS whistleblowers. Material witnesses. Facts. Texts. Emails. Laptops. Democrat Party doesn't want to hear a thing about it because it will take their man down. And their man, who is the IQ of a kumquat, is surrounded by Marxists, Obama types, who believe in, quote-unquote, fundamentally transforming America. And Biden does too, because he's figured out that's how he became president. Throw in with this crowd. When he became a senator, throw in with the Southern segregationists. Today it's throw in with the Northeastern Marxists. And if that means you go without the combustion engine in your car, we're no longer energy independent and you're paying a hell of a lot for energy or food, if that means your communities are going to be destroyed by HUD, if that means you're inconvenienced, too damn bad. Too damn bad. Anyway, it's a long way of saying, I hope you'll take a look at this book. I hope you get your pre-orders in. It's 40% off. I can only be here three hours a day, five days a week. But you can get lost in this book and keep it on your shelf and pass it to every family member you have. Ideas of consequences. We don't get our ideas out there. It's over. It's that simple. If it's somebody else writing books like this, then tell me who they are. If somebody else has a book like this out there, let me know who it is. I'll promote the hell out of them. But they don't. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If we've learned anything over the past two years, it's that unexpected things can happen. For example, average IRA and 401k balances fell 20% last year, according to Fidelity. We didn't expect that. But here's something that could help if you have an IRA or 401k. Physical gold in your IRA. 
The World Gold Council says even central banks are buying tons of gold. Now, what does that tell you? Learn why many Americans are turning to a gold IRA with Augusta Precious Metals. They're the best. I recommend them to my friends and family. You should call Augusta and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Feels good to know there's another savings option. Diversity is the key. Call Augusta Precious Metals at 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. May I ask you a question? Killing America's fossil fuel industry. Who does that help? Communist Chinese. They're not killing their fossil fuel industry. They're expanding it. We're killing our own fossil fuel industry. Which is the, the fuel that makes the engine of our economy goes. We don't have any replacement. The grid is incapable of doing all the things that they're going to put on it. We're going to get brownouts and blackouts, and everyone's going to wonder what happened, and then they'll blame the private sector. Solar panels, who does that benefit? Who makes those? Communist Chinese. Electric cars, who controls all the relevant essential materials for an electric car battery? The Communist Chinese. Who benefits from that? The Communist Chinese. Underfunding our military, underfunding our military while communist China is on the move. Who does that benefit? The communist Chinese. Do you know why Xi treats Biden and his cabinet with such disrespect? Because he owns Biden. He knows there's not a damn thing Biden can do. The Republicans are peeling the onion piece by piece, doing the very best they can, and I give them enormous amount of credit under the circumstances. They really are doing the job. But the Chinese treat Biden with disrespect because they own the bastard. That's why. We have asked uh, Vivek Ramaswamy if he'd like to come on. They seem to show an initial interest. Uh, We will leave that invitation out there. I'd like to learn more about him, and I think you should too. I have some real questions. I want to get past the, uh, the fortune cookie statements about, you know, I'm the only one leading us into the future. So I want to know more. Because I don't know a lot. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Our friend Julie Kelly sent something to me from declassified.live I think she wrote this as a matter of fact and it has definitely caused me to rethink 
Judge Eileen Cannon and what she's doing, at least up to this point. At least up to this point. My concern is and was that she set the trial, the documents case, for May. And so the problem with that, of course, is to the middle of the election. But in her piece, which is July 23, she explains a few things. I'm going to read some of this to you. This is very, very important. Amid concerns about voluminous discovery and restrictions related to the viewing of alleged classified material, this is the documents case involving Trump, Judge Cannon set a May 20, 2024 trial date in Jack Smith's case against former President Trump. Smith, appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland in November 2022, indicted Trump last month on 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information. Trump and his aide, Walty Nauta, also faced conspiracy, obstruction, perjury charges related to the movement of dozens of boxes shipped to Mar-a-Lago from the White House after Trump left office. Both have pleaded not guilty. Judge Cannon originally ordered an August trial date, but Smith's office filed a motion to continue the trial until December 11, citing the need for Trump's lawyers to obtain security clearances and the burdensome requirements under the Classified Information Procedures Act, SEPA, that often lengthen the ordinary trajectory from indictment to trial. Jay Bratt, Department of Justice Counterintelligence Chief assigned to Smith's team, wrote in the June 23 motion, this guy, Jay Bratt, he's a big issue in terms of ethics. Big issue, but more later. Defense counsel filed a separate motion seeking indefinite delay based on numerous factors, including Trump's run for president pending lawsuits and the political nature of the indictment. This extraordinary case represents a serious challenge to both the fact and perception of our American democracy, said attorneys Christopher Wise and Todd Blanche representing Trump and Stanley Woodward representing Nauta, the co-defendant, they wrote on July 10. The court now presides over a prosecution advanced by the administration of a sitting president against his chief political rival, himself a leading candidate for the presidency of the United States. Trump's team also pointed to the challenge of seating an impartial jury during campaign season. They said proceeding to trial during the pendency of a presidential election cycle wherein opposing candidates are effectively, if not literally, directly adverse to one another in this action will create extraordinary challenges in the jury selection process and limit the defendant's ability to secure a fair and impartial adjudication. The day before the July 18 hearing last week, the special counsel Smith filed a motion seeking an extensive protective order under the SEPA guidance, remember the the, uh, Classified Information Procedures Act. The special counsel's office indicated the government would attempt to prevent Trump, Trump from viewing some of the alleged classified documents. Quote, the defense shall not disclose classified information to the defendants other than materials marked provided to Donald J. Trump absent written permission of the government. This is the former president of the United States, Mr. Bidiff. They're saying you are not to provide him with classified information unless you get our approval. 
Judge Cannon denied Smith's proposed protective order and scolded the government for presenting an unripe motion. Brad insisted he attempted to confer with defense prior to filing the motion. You have a duty to confer, parties to confer, even if you're not going to make an agreement. Cannon was having no part of it, the judge. He said, so you tried to confer with the defendants on Friday before filing on a motion Monday, something that is presumably quite important. That seems a bit rushed, Cannon told Brad on Tuesday afternoon in her Fort Pierce, Florida courtroom. You can, I'm reading this also to show you how diabolical and evil and sleazy these people are. She also forced Brat of the special counsel's office to backtrack on his claims that the government didn't plan on keeping certain documents away from the former president. Judge Cannon, now when I was reading the Section 3 protective orders proposed by the government, is the government's intention to withhold certain portions of classified discovery from the defendants themselves, because you couldn't do that. Brat, not at this point, Your Honor, Judge Cannon. I thought there was a provision in the proposed Section 3 protective order that did contemplate potentially withholding certain documents from defendants themselves as distinct from defense counsel. Brat, yes, sorry, Your Honor, yes, yes, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. They tried to throw a screwball past the judge, Mr. Producer. They just figured, like other judges in D.C., she would just sign the protective order and be done with it, which would have been a devastating act that the people who are trying to fight for their, their liberty against this government wouldn't be able to even see the classified information that, in part, is being used against them. When defense attorneys argue the amount of unclassified discovery already produced by Smith's team, listen to this, more than one million documents. There were not one million documents at Mar-a-Lago, but they have collected in, in their, for their side, including documents they intend to use. More than one million documents and nine months of video captured by Mar-a-Lago security cameras to start. When defense attorneys argue this is going to take a lot of time to go through, Your Honor, it's extensive time to review, special counsel's office, BRAT, countered that the defense only needed to watch roughly 10 days of security footage identified by Smith's team as relevant. The judge quickly interrupted. The defense would have to review all the footage to be properly informed about the scope of the footage. I mean, it's not the case that they're going to zoom in on whatever period of time the government isolates is critical. You see what I mean, Mr. Bedusa, by how out of control this prosecution is? They only want them to see what they want them to see. Yes, yes, yes. We have months and months and months of videotape, but they only need to look at these, these three weeks over here. The prosecutors don't get to do that. It's not the first time Judge Kennedy appointed to the bench by Trump in 2020 has clashed with this guy, Brat. Judge Kennedy presided over Trump's lawsuit last year seeking the appointment of a special master to handle the 13,000 pieces of evidence taken during the FBI's nine-hour raid on Mar-a-Lago in August 2022, which resulted in the seizure of 102 files with alleged classified markings, as well as personal items, banking records, and medical files. The judge admonishing Brad and the DOJ in, in general for leaks to the news media and the mishandling of privileged material in the early stages of the investigation appointed a special master in September. 
This was opposed by Annie McCarthy. This was opposed by Bill Barr. They trashed her. They said they'd never seen anything like it. She did exactly the right thing. Exactly. The government is leaking information related to the documents that they say are top secret and otherwise classified. And she was looking for an objective, independent way and person to hold the material and go through the material. She was overruled by the circuit, but she shouldn't have been. She said the investigation and treatment of a former president is of unique interest to the general public, and the country is served best by an orderly process that promotes the interest and perception of fairness, Cannon wrote in her September 5 order. The court is mindful that restraints on criminal prosecutions are disfavored, but finds that these unprecedented circumstances call for a brief pause to allow for neutral third-party review to ensure a just process with adequate safeguards. That was too much for the former federal prosecutors and the disgruntled former attorney general and other legal analysts. She's not up to the job, I think, seem to think they said. Judge Cannon then denied Department of Justice motion to put her order on hold pending appeal and threw some shade at the Justice Department in the process. She said, the court agrees with the government that the public is best served by even-handed adherence to established principles of civil and criminal procedure, regardless of the personal identity of the parties involved. It's also true, of course, that the even-handed procedure does not demand unquestioning trust in the determinations of the Department of Justice. Her order eventually was overruled on appeal, but Cannon does not appear bowed by either the circuit court's reversal or intense media scrutiny, downing her ability to be fair-minded as an appointee of the defendant in this case. That's why I took another look at this after our friend Julie Kelly wrote this. I still don't agree with the date, by the way. But that's beside the point. It sounds like she's been duking it out with the government in the courtroom. On Friday, Judge Cannon issued a seven-page order in anticipation of a May 20 trial. While the judge denied Trump's overall argument for an indefinite delay, she also rejected Smith's proposed December 2023 trial date. Here's what she said. She says the government's proposed schedule is atypically accelerated and inconsistent with ensuring a fair trial. Well, they don't want a fair trial. I mean, to think, over a million documents, over nine months of videotape, Trump's got four or five lawyers working on this. As you're going to find out later, the independent, or I should say special counsel, has a phalanx of lawyers working on this. He has all the, the computer and technological expertise that you could possibly want. They dump it on Trump. They dump it on his co-defendant. They dump it on these people and say, we're ready by December. She said the government's proposed schedule is atypically accelerated and inconsistent with ensuring a fair trial. The judge says as it stands, the government's timeline spans less than six months from the first discovery production, June 21, 2023, to trial. At the very least, more than 1.1 million pages of non-classified discovery produced thus far, some unknown quantity of which is described by the government as non-content. At least nine months of camera footage with disputes about pertinent footage. At least 1,545 pages of classified discovery ready to be produced with more to follow. Plus additional content from electronic devices and other sources yet to be turned over. The amount of discovery in this case is voluminous. 
and likely to increase in the normal course as the trial approaches. But Smith and his office said, no, we want to do it in December. Because they don't care about a fair trial. They're hunters. They're not prosecutors. Judge Cannon established dates for both the government and defense to meet related to discovery, the classified documents requirements, customary pretrial motions. Politico's Josh Gerson has written about this. Judge Cannon also designated the case as complex, a categorization that Smith's team argued against. Bratt's co-counsel, David Harbach. You're going to learn about David Harbach more on my Sunday show on Fox next week. One-time special counsel to disgrace former FBI director James Comey. What you're going to learn Sunday is the interconnection between Smith and his top prosecutors and Eric Holder and James Comey and Patrick Leahy's old staff and Betty Thompson's old staff and more. Mark's been breaking his ass working late into the night. This guy Harbach, one-time special counsel to disgrace former FBI James Comey, told the judge that Trump should be treated as a private citizen. But Trump is not a private citizen. He's the former president of the United States. Trump's lawyers indicated during Tuesday's hearings that part of their defense, perhaps even the basis of a motion to dismiss, will address Trump's authority to retain government papers under the Presidential Records Act. There is no Presidential Records Act for the average citizen. Quote, we're going to maintain the position that the Presidential Records Act governs because that's what governs how the president manages and disposes of information in his possession during his term of office. Trump lawyer Keist told Cannon, these lawyers sound pretty competent, by the way. Smith's team now claims that the Presidential Records Act, the alleged violation that initiated the investigation early last year, has nothing to do with the indictment at hand. Nothing. Of course, that's a lie. National Archives and Records Administration, as Julie Kelly writes, notified Trump in May 2021 that some government records were missing. Trump's aides turned over 15 boxes, what they believe met the requirements of the PRA, to the archives. Archives then claimed classified materials were found inside the boxes and sent a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. That is really out of step. The FBI opened an investigation in March 2022. Agents allegedly identified 197 papers with classified markings. A subpoena was served on Trump in May 2022, resulting in the production of 38 more records with classified markings. Not satisfied with Trump team, obvious, obvious cooperation in the matter. Washington FBI field office sought a search warrant to seize national defense information of Trump's residence. After the FBI raid, the government claimed to have found 102 more documents with classified doc- markings, including 27 files in Trump's office. And I want to remind you that street-level FBI agents strongly objected to that search warrant and to that SWAT team. Trump's counsel also seems prepared to dism- seek a dismissal based on the unusual circumstance of the investigation. How much time do I have, Rich? We've got one minute here. We'll continue after the bottom, but this is very, very important. Nearly the entire inquiry was conducted in the federal courthouse in Washington, D.C., a haven for these Trump-hating judges and prosecutors. Yet the grand jury in Washington, D.C., the grand jury similar to the trial jury was comprised of voters living in a city that voted 93% for Joe Biden. D.C. Chief Judge Beryl Howell, a former Senate Democrat staffer, 
appointed by Barack Obama 2010, a vocal critic of Trump and his supporters, handled all the behind-the-scenes proceedings, including the highly unusual step of piercing attorney-client privilege with Trump's lawyer, Evan Cochran, under the crime fraud exception. And her order still remains under seal. That decision allowed Smith's team to compel Cochran, Trump's lawyer, his grand jury testimony and private communications with his client, Trump. The New York Times reported that evidence collected from Cochran was critical to the shape and outcome of the investigation. Keep this in mind. We're going to take a short break. Keep it in mind. It's important. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what company's looking for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it? This is great news and for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Now, if you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't pulled the trigger, take a look again. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk text and now 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Just 20 bucks a month, folks. This is why I love Pure Talk. That also happens to be veteran-owned and only hires the best customer service team right here in America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Just go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast to make the switch to Pure Talk, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, go to puretalk.com, enter promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. I only have a minute, but we'll carry it over after the bottom. So, to cut it short, all these investigative activities, the grand jury, Judge Beryl Howell, who I believe worked for uh, Senator Patrick Leahy at one point. Anyway, she's a radical leftist Trump hater, Obama appointee. She's the chief judge in Washington. And she's the motions judge, ruling on all these Trump motions and ruling against him in every single case. And you have a Democrat grand jury, so he gets all this done, even gets the indictments done. Then he decides, Smith, at the last moment, I'm going to move this to South Florida, which struck everybody as weird. Why did he do that? I'm going to explain that in a minute. We'll be right back. You know what company's looking for you when they actually upgrade your service? And don't charge you for it? This is great news and for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Now, if you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't pulled the trigger, take a look again. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk text and now 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Just 20 bucks a month, folks. This is why I love Pure Talk. That also happens to be veteran-owned and only hires the best customer service team right here in America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Just go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast to make the switch to Pure Talk, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, go to puretalk.com, enter promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. The Constitution Man, Mark Levin. Calling now at 877-381-3811. All right. Wrapping this up. So, Julie Kelly points out all this activity going on in Washington. 
friendly judges to the government. The incestuous relationship, by the way, between the judges in Washington, D.C. and the Department of Justice. You don't see that as much all over the country. You see it almost exclusively in D.C., where almost every judge comes out of that building. They all know each other. At the last minute, Smith, Special Counsel Smith, changed venues from Washington to Southern Florida. The proper jurisdiction since the alleged crimes happened in Palm Beach. The New York Times also reported that moving the investigation to Florida required little more than prosecutors reading the early grand jury transcripts to the new grand jurors or have federal agents offer them a summary of the most important point. A couple of points here. The New York Times is the mouthpiece for these fascistic, autocratic bastards. There's no problem with this. That's number one. Number two, obviously just reading the early grand jury transcripts to new grand jurors. We have federal agents offer them a summary of the most important points. That's not the same thing as hearing testimony of a course of months. Trump's lawyers called foul. They said there's a U.S. attorney manual provision that states very clearly that a case should not be presented to a grand jury in the district unless venue for the offense lies in that district. Now, why is that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, any prosecutor in the country, any federal prosecutor, Let me, let me restate that. Any so-called special counsel, because any prosecutor can't do it, special counsel who doesn't have to worry about state lines, any special counsel ever appointed, if the Republicans, they can have a grand jury in a, a Republican-friendly area to indict a Democrat. You're supposed to have all the investigative grand jury activity and so forth in the district where you allege that criminality took place. So why didn't Smith do that? I'll tell you why. Because he took one of the most blue strongholds in the country, Washington, D.C., with the most left-wing district court judges appointed by Obama and Clinton and Biden. In the country. Is that not the sleaziest thing you've ever seen? In addition to these other sleazy activities? One of the lawyers said to the judge, there's no scenario under which most of the statutes charged against President Trump would ever have been set in the District of Columbia. Ever. Ever. Now, his co-defendant attorney, that is, Nauta's attorney, also suggests the government broke established rules related to venue. said, I have serious questions about how an investigation that had been pending for months and months and months in Washington, D.C., ended up here in the Southern District of Florida. I'm especially curious, as we see discovery, to know what was done in Washington and then what was done in Miami. And whether there's a motion for abuse of the grand jury process in this case. Yes, there is. File it. You got a lot of wonderful motions you can file. And expose these bastards. And therein lies just one potential problem, Julie Kelly writes, in keeping Cannon's schedule. 
It's hard to see how an unprecedented case involving a former president and current candidate exacerbated by unclear governing statutes, possible misconduct by government officials, election implications, privilege issues, jury bias, and massive amounts of both unclassified and classified discovery can be ready to go to trial in less than 10 months. And Smith said it should go to trial in less than six months. Overshadowing all this, of course, is a Department of Justice crashing credibility among the public, as well as Smith's recent letter informing Trump that he's a target of the special counsel on January 6th investigation. Well, CBS is reporting that Trump might be indicted tomorrow on January 6th. Pathetic. How that looming indictment will impact Cannon's schedule, writes Kelly. Her already low tolerance for more shenanigans by the DOJ remains to be seen. One thing, however, appears to be certain. The fireworks in this case are only just beginning. I hope Julie Kelly's right. What she writes here seems very persuasive to me about Judge Cannon. So I, when I get new facts or I get additional information, I think things through again. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. And, of course, the other point is this guy Brat is accused by the lawyer for President Trump's co-defendant of extortion. In plain English, telling the lawyer for his co-defendant that if you can get your client to testify against Trump, uh, we think it's more likely you'll get that judgeship that you're uh, seeking. That is extortion. It's under investigation in secret by the judge replaced Hal, a new chief judge, but an old-timer on the bench who was appointed by Obama. That's why this fool, Smith, has been very, very active uh, in Washington, D.C. Because that's where he gets his best shot. Let me see here. I'm looking for something from the New York Times. You sent that to me, right, Mr. Producer? An article I was looking for. Now, here it is. Now, in the context of this, here's a New York Times piece today by Glenn Thrush. Ben Protests, Alan Fuhr, and Adam Goldman. Only took took only four of them to to run interference for Smith. As inquiries compound, justice system pours resources into scrutinizing Trump. Jack Smith, the special counsel overseeing criminal investigations of the former President Trump, ready for this? Employs forty to sixty career prosecutors, paralegals, and support staff. He's got a whole law firm. Augmented by a rotating cast of FBI agents, technical specialists, according to people familiar with the situation. Can I ask you a question? What's the point of a special counsel? The point of a special counsel is to pick somebody outside the system because there's an appearance of a conflict or an actual conflict of interest between the current head of the Department of Justice and the Biden regime. So with Jack Smith, you're picking somebody. He used to work for Eric Holder's regime. You're picking somebody who is choosing 40 to 60 career prosecutors out of the Department of Justice, 
whether it's main justice or it's appendages, as well as paralegals and support staff and FBI agents. There's nothing special or independent about any of this, except by appointing this guy the way he did, Garland ensures that he's created his own fiefdom, massive law firm, filled with all headhunters, out to get Trump, 40 to 60 prosecutors against Trump's little band of four or five lawyers. We could get through everything in in six months. Why can't Trump? In his first four months, they report on the job. What they don't report is this disclosure, financial disclosure by Smith, was late and was only put out after he indicted Trump. And by the way, you know his staff? You notice how the New York Times says 40 to 60 prosecutors? Judicial Watch has a lawsuit going on now with a FOIA request asking them to name them. And you know, Jack Smith won't name his prosecutors, Mr. Bidoof. He won't even name the people who are working for him, which he's compelled to do. But of course, the suit's filed in Washington, D.C., and everyone has to sit on their ass as they drag this thing out. Can you imagine... We have a guy with connections to Eric Holder, and worse, and I'll get into all this, just stick with me, I'm pulling it together for Sunday. We have a guy who won't be answerable to Congress, answerable to no oversight, except Garland, which makes a mockery out of this whole thing, a grand jury filled with Democrats whose names are not known to us. Democrat judges in Washington, D.C., they're all involved in this. And we all have to sit back and watch it. We have no say in any of it. In his first four months on the job, ready for this? Starting in November, Smith's investigation incurred expenses of $9.2 million in his first four months, America. I think Mueller in two years racked up something like 20-some million dollars. That included $1.9 million to pay the U.S. Marshal Service to protect Smith, his family, and other investigators who have faced threats after the former president and his allies singled them out on social media. Are you kidding me? I talked about this with you and on TV. Remember how Ken Starr was treated? We have no idea where Jack Smith hangs out. The media, paparazzi were there for Ken Starr morning, noon, and night, attacking him, attacking his faith, questioning him. Have you seen anything like that with regard to this a-hole, Smith? Nothing. At this rate, the special counsel is on track to spend about $25 million a year. That is enormous. Then here's the New York Times. The main driver of these efforts and their concurrent expenses is Trump's own behavior. His own behavior, Mr. Mr. Uh, Producer. And the scope of their work gets bigger and bigger in terms of quantifiable costs. It's gradually becoming clear, says the New York Times. Listen, anybody who believes this bastard operation at the New York Times is as imbecilic as he or she can be. If you read the New York Times, you know I've said this. All during the course of World War II, you wouldn't have known a Holocaust was taking place. 
till the very end. If you read the New York Times during Stalin's reign in 1932, you wouldn't have known that Stalin slaughtered millions of Ukrainians. That's the New York Times. People want to work for this corporation, the New York Times. This corporation has blood on its hands. This corporation helped to install Fidel Castro. This corporation is now the mouthpiece for Biden, who's an anti-Semite, also that I'll prove in the book, and Thomas Friedman and his ilk, a self-hating Jew and radical leftist with J Street and their ilk. What did Marx say? The truth. So this guy's on a spending binge, spending like a drunken Marxist, 40 to 60 career prosecutors, paralegals, and support staff. 40 to 60. Takes a lot of people to concoct charges, doesn't it? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what companies looking for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it? This is great news and for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Now, if you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't pulled the trigger, take a look again. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk text and a 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Just 20 bucks a month, folks. This is why I love Pure Talk. That also happens to be veteran-owned and only hires the best customer service team right here in America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Just go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST to make the switch to Pure Talk and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. And make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. And so I'm going to have to analyze what they do on January 6th. But the reason I bring these things up to you is, you're not going to get much of this on television. Not all. But most of the people who comment, come at it from the government side. Either they're never Trumpers, or... They're former federal prosecutors, and this is what they do. This is why I cannot stand Chris Christie. He's a former federal prosecutor, and he's all, he's all good with this. No big deal. Chris Christie over the weekend trashed Tim Scott. He's trashed DeSantis. Of course, he's in it to trash Trump. Some people will Trump trashes people. Trump is at 50 or more percent. Christie's at 1% on a good day. Why is Christie on CBS on Sunday? Why is he on Face the Nation? He's not a ratings draw. Because he's Benedict Arnold. He's Benedict Christie. They want him in there. To trash the Republican field. Why isn't anybody like me? I love the way he says Donald Trump promised about... This guy was the governor of New Jersey. They have the worst underfunded pension system in the country. And he's attacking Trump on the debt. Like you can just snap your fingers and fix it. I don't remember Chris Christie speaking out when the House Republicans 
We're trying to take it to Biden. Did he come out and say back the House Republicans, Mr. Producer? I don't remember this. Chris Christie wants to have it every way possible. He wants the rhinos to back him, and they will. He wants the never-Trumpers to back him, and he will. Then he poses as a conservative. Except he doesn't like the culture wars. None of us do. But somebody has to fight it. So he doesn't like that either. His record, fiscally and otherwise, in New Jersey is a disaster. So I would say this, and I have a lot of wonderful friends in New Jersey. I have relatives in New Jersey. I have a mother-in-law in New Jersey. And we love her. You don't want, as New Jersey goes, so goes America, do you? What Trenton makes, the world takes. Really? I don't think so. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-381. 3811. Joe Biden overrules Pentagon and names a female Apple to head the Navy. All this talk about we can't define women and yet they keep taking credit for appointing women to these different positions. So we appoint a woman who was not recommended by the Pentagon. Biden overrules the Pentagon and he appoints a woman. That woman. I think the only people who can take care of Biden physically and mentally, or fly helicopters, taking him back and forth for his vacations 40% of the year. In other words, everything in his life should only be allowed to be done by a woman. Period. No men whatsoever. Any surgery needs? Women. Period. It's that simple. You know, they, they go after this guy from Alabama, the senator from Alabama. What's his name? Tuberfi- Tuberville? For putting a hold on these senior Pentagon positions. And I'm glad he is, by the way. Because I'm against the military, but because I'm for the military and this stuff with the culture crap needs to stop. Right, Chris Christie? But... They talk about what's good for the force. 
And yet he does this, Biden. Why is it that every left-wing kook thing, wokeism, first woman man won't to do this, that's all good for the good for the force. Not properly funding the military, that's good for the force. It's unbelievable. I wanted to get to something else, though. And so I shall, and that is... Uh, I mean, let me pull this up. Give me a second. Robert Malley. Have you ever heard of Robert Malley, America? Most of you have not. There's a piece here in the... Uh, Middle East online that is endowment for the Middle East truth, Emmet. And it is a damn good piece. Endowment for Middle East truth. It's a wonderful group. I know them personally. The piece is by Hussein Abukar Mansour. Must be Jewish. Hardly. Robert Malley in the call from the third world. This is the man that Biden chose to negotiate with the Iranians on behalf of the United States, Mr. Producer. Macy Maud, that a single mid-level U.S. government bureaucrat, has collected a large club of passionate critics in Washington, the capitals of its most important Middle Eastern allies, yet this is exactly what Robert Malley, the current U.S. special envoy to Iran, has so impressively managed to achieve, and it becomes understandable once we recognize that he almost single-handedly managed to fundamentally alter the course of American foreign policy in the Middle East. This is why you need to hear about these people. Nobody's telling you. You don't see it on TV. You don't hear it on radio. That's why I'm here. Look at that. Peter Schweitzer's on with, uh, with our friend Jesse, Mr. Producer. Didn't I have him on yesterday? All right, let me keep going. Despite the recent news of a possibly career-ending mishap, that is, the end of Mali's official career, will not undo the progressive foreign policy agenda that irreversibly changes America's position in the region. The State Department's recent announcement that Robert Malley, the U.S. envoy to Iran, was being put on leave after security clearance was suspended due to the mishandling of classified information is the first time Malley's forced to take a break due to questionable dealings. As a matter of fact, in 2008, Malley was forced to resign from the campaign of then-candidate Barack Milhouse Benito Obama after it was discovered that he was talking to officials in the Islamic resistance movement of Hamas, only to return later to the Obama administration as the senior director of National Security Council and one of the main architects of U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East. That's why I call these people anti-Semites. They're anti-Zionist, meaning they're anti-Israel. They're anti-Jewish homeland. Well, why do we candy-coat this stuff? Because they're Democrats? Uh, then listen to somebody else. Now, Malley's family history, professional record, and stated opinions. They usually showed contempt for traditional U.S. foreign policy. And a bold readiness to call for new controversial approaches are the very reasons that made Malley a rising star in the liberal foreign policy establishment and a loathed figure among conservative circles. Malley was the right man in the right place at the right time to be part of the progressive turn in the American political establishment. He writes, Malley is a man of the third world in many ways, coming from a strong third worldist lineage. Malley was always straightforward and admirably unapologetic about his family history. His father, Simon Malley, was an Egyptian-born Jew and a staunch Arab nationalist who worked for the Nasser regime. Nasser. 
even as it led Arab states in expelling their native Jewish populations and declared a permanent war on Israel with the help of former Nazi officers. He dedicated his life to the anti-imperialist and anti-American causes of third world national liberation movements in Asia, Africa, Latin America, in a time when the third world held the promise of a completely new human nature. The Maoist Revolution of 1949 followed by the Algerian War of Liberation in 1954 and Nasser's defiance of a 1956 invasion of Suez unleashed a wave of Salphite acceleration and enthusiasm among all revolutionaries. Europe's post-war malaise and disillusionment with Stalinism had left the ranks of passionate left-wing activists and the intellectuals in a state of revolutionary pathos, a long, dark night of the beautiful soul. Algeria, the mecca of revolution, and the third world's wave of national liberation and anti-imperialism suddenly illuminated the darkness in which the revolution had fallen. Franz Fanon, Jean-Paul Satry, and the entire French left heralded the out of the sands of North Africa and jungles in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. A new man and a new socialism are emerging to end history once and for all. For nearly three decades, the th- <coughs> excuse me, the third world was the cause that mobilized the left more than any other cause in the world. Stick with me. It's necessary to recall this era of international revolution if we are to grasp a glimpse of the life of Simon Malley, who more than many invested his life, his being, and his identity in the third world. Malley's political life started in his youth, years in Egypt, when he joined the Egyptian Communist Party, which was mostly dominated by bourgeois Jewish Dilettantes, who barely spoke Arabic but had a strong base of young students, aspiring intellectuals, some figures in the Egyptian labor movement. Mali seemed to have come from a modest background and couldn't further his formal education beyond high school. This is his father. He found his way into journalism at an early age and went to, sent to cover the UN on behalf of an Egyptian newspaper, where he began a journalistic career that defined his life. Like many of his generation at the beginning of the war in Algeria, was the key event that radicalized Mali, inspired him to become the francophone journalistic voice of the third world. So they're talking about his father. Really unbelievable. This is our point guy who's been negotiating with Iran. In a major role in putting the Fanian National Liberation Front, FLN, on the world map, Fanonian, he became one of Nasser's official propagandists in New York, despite the latter's hostility toward Jews and communists. Thanks to his revolutionary commitment, Mali maintained his Egyptian passport, despite the fact that Nasser made Egypt's population of 80,000 Jews stateless. And while he was in New York, he met his soon-to-be wife, Barbara Silverstein, a New Yorker who worked for the UN delegation of Algeria's FLN. And it goes on. The concept of imperialism devised by Vladimir Lenin was one of the most significant and consequential developments in the history of Marxist thought. Played a huge role in the Marxification of the Third World and the revolutionization of idealistic Western youth. Lenin's imperialism gave birth to words of Marxist theoretical innovations and so forth. Simon Malley spared no effort in propagandizing the causes of Third World dictators and absolutist states who adopted the ideologies of anti-imperialism and anti-capitalism and anti-Zionism. 
Got that? Simon Malley's son is Robert Malley. In the 1969, the Malleys moved to Paris, where the husband founded Afra-Asia, later renamed Afrique Asia, a magazine specialized in promoting the cause of the Third World. And together, Simon and his wife, Barbara, raised their son, Robert, taking him on multiple revolutionary tourism trips in Arab, African, and Asian country. And his father was logging in an impressive 20-hour interview with Fidel Castro, and many more hours were... Yasser Arafat, Robert Malley's childhood was a cosmopolitan internationalist and third-worldist one that exposed him from an early age to a vast world of anti-imperialist passions and revolutionary intrigue. He played with many of his father's friends, such as Arafat himself, but also played in Paris with other American children, such as Anthony Blinken, the future U.S. Secretary of State. And while most of the details we know of Malley's father's character and anti-American passions come from his son. He didn't talk much about how his childhood influenced his subsequent development. Yet one sees that Robert Malley, too, spent his entire adult life, both as a student and as a professional, entirely dedicated to third world politics. There remains no room for speculation. As a matter of fact, both Malley's graduate degree and his only published book focus on Algeria the central theme that defined his father's and his family's life. His book, The Call from Algeria, Third Worldism, Revolution, and the Turn to Islam, remains one of the most insightful accounts of the ideological evolution of the third worldism. Professionally, all of Robert Malley's subsequent career focused entirely on the Palestinians, Syria, and Iran. Simon Malley's activities, writings, and involvement in the World Revolution naturally earned him many enemies. And it goes on. In the U.S., Robert Malley finished his education as the most prestigious institutions of Yale and Harvard, where he studied along with future President Obama. So he knows Obama and grew up with Blinken. In Yale, Robert Malley became a prominent anti-Israel voice, publishing constant articles in the Yale Daily News condemning Zionism and supporting Palestinian terrorism. In an article published October 27, 1980, titled Examining the Myth and Reality of Zionism, Malley argued that Zionism is, is the new Nazism, and Palestinians are the new Jews, whose terrorism is their only means of defending their cause and resisting neo-Nazi Israel. In Harvard, he studied along with former President Obama, what Obama recalled in his dreams of my father as the days I chose my friends carefully. The more politically active black students, the foreign students, the Chicanos, the Marxist professors, and structural feminists and punk rock performance poets. We smoked cigarettes and wore leather jackets. At night in the dorms, we discussed neocolonialism. It's hard to imagine that in such groups anyone knew more about neocolonialism than Mali. Let's see. Malley has never left an honest, convincing account of what persuaded him to abandon his father's anti-imperialism fascination and commitment to the dreams of the final perfection of man brought about by the Gaddafis and Arafats of the world. Malley's attempts to address this critical question in his book and in his published lecture about his father obfuscated by a thick mist of ambiguous romantic sense of disillusionment. And it goes on in great, great, great detail, much more damning than anything that I've had time to read to you. This is the point, man, Mr. Producer. 
that Biden has chose, chosen to negotiate on our behalf with Iran. During the elections, Mallet became Obama's advisor in Middle East foreign policy and helped the young candidate navigate the most contentious area of American foreign policy and post-Iraq politics. And during the campaign, Mallet was forced to resign after it was reported that he was communicating with members of Hamas. So he had to resign. And having done that, how does he get back into Obama's good graces and now he's the point guy against Israel and for Iran in the Middle East? This is what I'm saying. At the time, Mali was still running the ICG's Middle East program, which had an office in Damascus, where Hamas was based. And Mali admitted he regularly is in contact with Hamas officials. The episode forced, uh, let's see, Mali to return to ICG, which was quickly becoming one of the most favored foreign policy think tanks of the progressives. You would expect a hate America type. Let me jump ahead. 2014, six years after the Hamas scandal, Mali finally joined the Obama administration as senior director of National Security Council. So the enemy had a foothold in the National Security Council. Of course, they had one in the Oval Office, too. Shortly after, he became the special assistant to President Obama on Middle East policy. By that time, his think tank had already been systematically advocating for a pivot in U.S. policy towards Iran through diplomatic outreach to reach a comprehensive agreement over the nuclear issue and avoid the spoilers, such as Israel and the Arab Gulf states. All right, let me stop there and just sum up. This is the guy with Obama. Blinken was at state. Biden was vice president, who completely changed how we approached Iran. The position before Obama and these Marxists and America haters. The position was, we will do anything to prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. That position changed under Obama, which was, we can't stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon, so we'll do everything we can to help manage the situation, which means push out their development of a nuclear weapon, maybe by a decade, if possible. That's what changed everything. And now you know one of the people behind it, this guy Mally. And it's my hope when I do this radio show, when you listen for 10, 15, 20 minutes, you will learn more in 10 or 15 or 20 minutes than you will learn in 10 months from any other program. Not because I'm a genius, but because I approach these things differently. That's Robert Mally. Now you know what happened with Iran. And now you know why Iran's going to have a nuclear weapon. Before this guy Biden leaves office. Be right back. Mark Lovin. You see how nefarious the left is, you see how nefarious the Democrat Party is. I am going to keep chasing this down for the rest of my life, no matter what, if I do it personally, for myself, or for you. Only three months before Robert Malley joined the administration, the P5 plus one countries in Iran had just signed the interim agreement, the first step towards the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, that's the Obama deal, along the lines suggested by his think tank, which without a doubt were formed after talks with Iranian officials. 
The rest are history. And the Obama deal, which Mali oversaw, turned out to be the dawn of the beginning of the major unraveling of the American-sponsored order in the Middle East. On the way, America spared no effort to ignore allies, disheartened friends, and emboldened enemies. A little bit more of this, then I'll complete it, but you need to know how we got where we are with Iran. And the Democrat Party has foisted this on us, and Iran will now have nuclear weapons that can reach our country. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the funder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. What Mali represents is a new American that is hell-bent on undoing its own power. You do not need to be a Marxist or an Islamist to be so, although he is a Marxist. But all you need to be is a member of an upper-middle-class coastal American family who got their education in the world's most prodigious schools. The triumph of Mali's view of the world reflects no conspiracies, no cosmic evil, no hidden villains. Reflects only our failure to see what has been going on in our own institutions, homes, and in the minds of our most intelligent people. Hussein Abubakar Mansour, by the way, just just fantastic piece. And we will have it, of course, at the end of the show at our website, themarklevinshow.com. There's more. I'm not going to be able to get to everything. But there's actually a lot more. We now know who was behind buying Hunter Biden's paintings. The the businessinsider.com exclusive Hunter Biden's gallery so does art to a Democratic donor friend who Joe Biden named to a prestigious commission. These are the sleaziest scumballs imaginable, and the media that supports them, sleazy slimeballs. Just like, how did Hillary not go to prison? How does Hunter not go to prison? How does... Joe Biden not go to prison. Easy. We don't live in an America that your father or your grandparents built. We live in an America where the Democrat Party is the government. Insider has learned the identities of two Hunter Biden so-called friends. We're also buyers of his art. Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali and Kevin Morris. Internal gallery documents reveal that sales of Hunter Biden's art brought in $1.3 million. One buyer, identity unknown, spent $875,000 on 11 Hunter Biden artworks. On the campaign trail, Joe Biden pledged that there would be an absolute wall between his official duties and his family's private business interests. Biden White House repeatedly made reference to that wall when responding to questions about the fledgling art career. But why can't we just admit that the idiot behind the podium is also a full-fledged liar? They're asking a liar questions, and she's going to keep lying. 2021, when a New York art gallery debuted Hunter Biden's paintings with asking prices as high as half a million The White House said Hunter's team had a process for carefully vetting buyers, that their identities were known only to the gallery, 
not to Hunter Biden himself. The messaging seemed to suggest that Hunter Biden's art patrons came from a rarefied universe of collectors who had nothing to do with the hurly-burly of politics. Neither of those things has turned out to be the case, like most things. Hunter Biden did, in fact, learn the identity of two buyers, according to three people directly familiar with Hunter's own account of his art career. And one of those buyers is indeed someone who got a favor from the Biden White House. The timing of their purchase, however, is unknown. That buyer, insider can reveal, is Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali, an L.A. real estate investor and philanthropist. Hirsch Naftali is influential in California Democratic circles and a significant Democratic donor who is given 13414 to the Biden campaign, 29700 to the DNC this year. 2022, she hosted a fundraiser headlined by Vice President Kamala Harris. Insider also obtained internal documents from Hunter Biden's gallery showing that a single buyer purchased $175,000 of art. In July 2022, eight months after Hunter Biden's first art opening, Joe Biden announced Hirsch Naftali's appointment to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad. It's unclear whether Hirsch's purchase of Hunter Biden's artwork occurred before or after the appointment. Membership on the commission is an unpaid position that's often filled by campaign donors, family members. Yeah, but it's a big deal. People want to be on these commissions. Did Hunter Biden weigh in with his father about the appointment of Naftali or not? And did Hirsch Naftali buy Hunter Biden's artwork before or after she was appointed? Insider asked these questions. Neither the White House nor Hunter Biden's counsel could offer an answer. Hirsch Naftali did not respond to requests for comment. Administration official told Insider that her appointment had been recommended to Biden by former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Oh, Broomhilda. They said that there was no connection. Listen, (laughs) I confess I'm guilty. You're never going to hear that. Bruce Weinstein, a professional ethicist. I like to consider myself a professional ethicist, Mr. Producer. Senior Judicial Advisor to myself, the Director of ESG to me, as well as Chairman of FU Fatties United. If you really wanted to choose the most ethically appropriate course of action that would not involve any conflict of interest, real or perceived, then you don't buy Hunter's paintings, said Mr. Weinstein. See, I told you, I I could do that. I could be somebody like that. What else do we know, Mr. Producer, about the Bidens today? I think we know a lot. New York Post has another story from our friend Miranda Devine. Hunter Biden put then-Vice President Dad Joe on the phone with business associates at least two dozen times. Ex-partner Devin Archer is to testify, I guess next week. Hunter Biden would dial in his father, then-Vice President Joe, on speakerphone in the meetings with his overseas business partners, according to testimony expected before Congress this week's now next week, from Devin Archer, the first son's former best friend. Archer is facing jail for his role in a $60 million bond fraud scheduled to testify. Oh, the Democrats, I wonder what they're going to do with him. Please tell us what you know. Ah, oh, you crooked! Get out of here! What are we doing? What are we doing? Eh, eh, clown show. 
A malignant clown show. Extreme mega. One such meeting was in Dubai late in the evening of Friday, December 4, 2015, after a board meeting of the Ukrainian energy company Burisma, which was paying 183000 a month as director. Well, they wound up paying a hell of a lot more than that. Millions to the, Obin- uh, to the Obidens. That's about right. O'Biden would be Obama-Biden, right? Archer, who was a director, is expected to testify that after dinner with the Burisma board of the the Burj Al Arab Hotel, he and Hunter traveled six miles north to the Four Seasons Resort in Dubai to have a drink with one of Hunter's friends. While they were sitting outside at the bar, Vadim Pazharsky, a senior Burisma executive, phoned to ask where they were because Burisma's owner... Mykola Zivansky needed to speak to Hunter urgently. Soon afterward, the two Ukrainians joined Hunter and Archer at the Four Seasons Bar. And Baiskarsky asked Hunter, can you ring your dad? At the time, it was early afternoon Friday in Washington, D.C. Hunter then called his father, put him on a speaker, placed the phone on the table, and introduced the Ukrainians to Joe Biden by name as Nikolai and Vadim. Nikolai and Vadim. He also said words to the effect that the Burisma bigwigs need our support. Vice President Biden greeted the Ukrainians but spoke only in vague pleasantries during the short call and other such interactions with Hunter's overseas business partner Archer is expected to testify. Well, do we have a special counsel appointed yet to investigate uh, Joe Biden, Mr. Producer? We need a special counsel to investigate Biden, Garland, Smith, all the goons, all of them. The greatest cover-up in American history. We have the greatest crook as president in American history. But man in the Oval Office, who is a direct threat to our national security with China, among other countries, and that's significant. And no special counsel. Pretty incredible. By the way, as, as I think about it, maybe I mentioned this once. Remember X-Chair, Mr. Producer? Remember Redland Carpet? Redland Cotton? Remember Casper, the mattress? We helped launch all three of those companies. Then they got so big, they said, I don't know about conservative talk radio. It makes us nervous. So they did TV. They went TV. Two of them went to Fox. One of them went, I don't, I don't even see Casper anymore. Do you? So there you have it. That's called loyalty, I guess, in the business. I don't know. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I just found out, or maybe a couple of weeks ago, this Anna Navarro. I think I mentioned this, no? She's married to a rhino Republican who worked for the Bushes. And so she's just another hater, never a Trumper. I'm surprised her husband couldn't do better, quite frankly. Just saying. How much time do I have? Jamie Raskin on MSNBC yesterday. Why is on TV all the time? 
because he's a red. That's why his dad was a commie, and so is he. So who better to listen to? Cut to go. Trump and his followers would invite Shut us to up, believe. Shut up, you idiot. Done listening to you. There, that wasn't so tough. Pelosi on CNN yesterday. Go. Call the now speaker, Kevin McCarthy, uh, told Dana the Bash. former president that mm. he supported the idea of expunging mm. yeah. Trump's mm. two impeachments. Yeah. But apparently yeah. he didn't commit to bringing it to yeah, the floor right. for a vote. You yeah. oversaw both of those yes. impeachment proceedings. What's your reaction to this? Wow, impeachment? what a tough question. Don't you think? <laughs> Dana Bash, you're a fraud and a fool. Go ahead. President was impeached. All right, because- shut up, idiot. We're done with you. Jen Psaki. To Stacey Blasket, one of the lowest of low lives in Congress. Also, MSLSD yesterday. Go. I wanted to ask you because Shut this up. week. Now we have James Clyburn, MSNBC yesterday. Go. I think people are You're done. Now we have Karine Jean Pierre at the White House briefing today. The reporter asks a question. Go. Uh, Chairman James Comer today says that the oversight committee, excuse me, has evidence that the president in the past communicated directly with foreign business associates of his son, Hunter Biden, many times. Curious if the White House and the president still stand behind his comment that he's never been involved and has never even uh, spoken to his son about his business. So I've been, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha- was never in business with his son. Okay, so it has changed because you're a liar and a cover-up artist president was never in business with his son. That was not what the president said before. He said he never discussed his son's business with his son. Now he's never in business with it. You see how the, how the propagandists work? Now we have Larry Hogan. Larry Hogan is such a stalwart Republican. He's on with Pasaki on her no-rated Sunday show. Go! That you've said also that you don't think he'll be the nominee. Are there candidates out there? You've also been critical of DeSantis. Are there candidates out there that you think could have a shot of taking a month. I sure hope so. I mean, ah, shut up. Shut up. You're a backstabbing fraud. Go on this show with an Obama press secretary. Her whole job is to get Biden reelected. God forbid if Biden's reelected, you can thank people like Chris Christie, Asa Hutchison, Larry Hogan, Chris Sununu. We'll get the list. You can thank them all. Lisa Murkowski. Oh, there's a good one. Oh, Complete moron. Let's see, who else do we want to hear from but not really, Mr. Producer? How about this? Governor Inslee at ABC News. This guy's a real head case. Washington State, cut 10, go. And again, the good news is all around my state, uh, I can't turn over a rock without seeing new jobs associated with clean aviation fuel, with new types of batteries. It's very exciting what's going on right now in inventing a new uh, economy. And we're doing that right in Washington State, and people are getting great jobs because of this. So there's two parts to this story. All right, shut up, idiot. They're inventing a new economy. This moron who spent every waking hour, pretty much, in politics is inventing a new economy. And they're creating all these great jobs. Tell me, what jobs are you killing? How come they never tell us? What jobs are you killing? Have you been to the... Family dinner table, the jobs you're killing to talk to those people. What are we electing, America? Are we electing politicians? Are we electing uh, uh, swamis? What, what, what are we electing? What are, uh, oh, oh, yeah. All these false idols, it's unbelievable. 
You know, we could do another three hours here, but I can't. We salute armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, the truckers, the freedom fighters all over the world. Ladies and gentlemen, sprint over to Amazon.com. Grab your pre-orders now. 40% off. You're going to love the book. See you tomorrow.